often in your home or love to see them in theirs. These are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And I'm Rob, and I'm creeping it real, and I'm super pumped for tonight's episode. Hell yeah, episode 22 is going to be a big one. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so, tonight, we've got... Nick Botini from Cold Blooded Earth. How are you doing tonight, man? Good, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Hell yeah, dude. I'm super pumped to have you on. I love all the projects that you're working with. Yes. And just seeing you grow and evolve has always just been like super uh, inspiring to me because you've gone through all these different phases, but you just have that passion and love for Bloods and Short Tails, and that's been one of my loves since I was really young. So seeing you work with them and do amazing things with them has just been amazing just like super cool to me oh thanks guys and you know the feelings right back at you and uh you know now that you guys are both at nerd it's it's cool because i've known both of you guys a long time so yeah for uh, sure man. you know it's, it's awesome to see you guys grow in the hobby as well hell yeah Appreciate so that. for the people who don't know you have you been a lifelong reptile guy well where'd you get your roots in in reptiles you know just the same story like everyone uh caught my first snake when i was young you know, just something that I think's probably in our DNA, and uh, yeah. you know, and then from there it was, uh, you know, just followed my passion. And I, my parents were super supportive of all of that, you know, when I was growing up, and and really, you know, pushed my interests. So, you know, I didn't have to bring snakes in or hide stuff or anything. It was just like, you know, they were they were all about it. And then um, I, I worked in the zoo biz for about eight years um, at uh, a zoo here in South Carolina, and then. Um, about three years ago, I decided to go out and, tr and try and make this a, a full-time job and, you know, so far so good, still doing it. So that's where it's Hell at, yeah, man. man. That's awesome. That's where it's at. So going from the, the zoo sector, like the kind of like, you know, doing the zoo thing to doing your own thing and kind of working on the sales and kind of, uh, the reptile hobby industry, where do you feel like, um, not like where do you feel that you found more fulfilled, but do you find it as fulfilling doing your own thing as it was working at the zoo? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's great. You know, I can totally focus in on, on what I'm doing and my animals and everything. And, you know, like a lot of guys out there for a long time, I was doing both, you know, it was school and then college and then having a job. And on the, on the side was the snakes. And as my collection grew and grew and grew, you know, that gets to be a lot. And, yeah. um, and, and being able to really just dive in, to, to my stuff 24 7 has been incredible yeah i mean that's kind of the dream for a lot of people is to you know quit their day job and just work with the animals that they absolutely love and to be able to do that is just like you know it's it's considered the dream yeah 100 yeah, it, it so, really is oh go ahead no i was just gonna say that you know i'm very fortunate and you know, my wife's super supportive and um she still works at the zoo so um, you know, one of us has to have a real job. <laughs> <laughs> true. So true. So I was going to ask, what drew you to Bloods and Short Tails? Out of all the snakes you could possibly own, what was Bloods and Short Tails that, that, that caught your attention? Uh, you know, it, it, just the, the size, um, the head shape, the body structure. I really liked all of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I had worked with a lot of stuff, you know, in the public sector and the private sector um 
you know, with my own collection and then at the zoo and everything, you know, I've worked with all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, when I started working with Bloods, it was just, it's a different, they're just so different, you know, um, their metabolisms are different. They're, they're just, then they're beautiful. I mean, you really can't, can't find another snake like that, you know, yeah. in my opinion, you know, whether it's Borneos, Sumatrans or Reds, they're just, they're really neat, you know, and I think they have that, that they fill that niche of having a big snake without, you know, having an actual big snake. <laughs> yeah. Because I've, you know, worked with that stuff too. And that's, you know, that can be a lot. That can be a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I definitely feel like the Bloods and Short Tails give you that feel of a big snake because they fill up your whole hand when you're holding them, but you don't need a 10 foot long or eight foot long cage to have one. So it's just like, yeah. it, it's the perfect kind of mid-sized snake you know they're not too giant but they're big enough where you know when you're feeling them you know when you're holding them it's not like you're holding like an earthworm or anything it's not like you're holding <laughs> like a little garter snake or something it's something substantial but it's not something that you you know is going to absolutely outgrow your room or your house it's something that you can manage to have as a pet even for someone who doesn't have a collection someone who just has one you know a four foot by two foot cage isn't like absorbently big to take up in your in your house yeah so exactly I, I think it's like perfect for a lot of people people and once they can get over that little you know uh how to handle them properly once they get that under their belt they're fine man they're, they're good Hell yeah you know they're vocal and uh and i think that puts people off a little bit at first because mm -hmm. you know you're not used to hearing you know them exhale like that you know because they have that, that really big long and um and you know supporting the whole body up off the ground because they're you know they're there's nothing arboreal about a blood python. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but so you just have to approach them that way, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and and recognize that 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 that's kind of, you know, you, you have to make them comfortable because once they get uncomfortable, they'll let you know. Yeah. You know? Oh so. yeah. Yeah. Yep. Then then they become. A meat missile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a gross term. <laughs> somebody, somebody asked me once how I would describe a, a cantankerous blood python, and I was like, meat missile. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. A meat missile. Uh, that's fair. That's, that's yeah, fair, I is, guess. It is. And, you know, like, the Borneos bring that to a whole different level. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah. Like, a mean blood, it, like, yeah, meat missile is a perfect descriptor for it. But, like, mm -hmm. a Borneo, when they flail and twist and they death roll, and it's just like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's crazy because, like, I, I've had a lot of, like, horror stories from people of, like, blood pythons that are really mean and nasty. And, like, some of the most, like, unruly blood pythons and short tails that I've had, even after a little bit of handling, they'll usually calm down pretty well. And then some of the ones that I've just got in the last, like, two years, I don't know what it is because they're, they're hitting that size, like, two and a half, almost three foot long, where I'm like, okay, you're going to start to mellow now, down now. And they are like, nope, no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell's your problem? I don't ever hurt you. I'm super nice to you. I'm very gentle whenever I handle you. And they still, like, just buck and throw themselves. And I'm like, huh, I guess there, you know, there, there are those exceptions to the rule where – they just don't mellow down. Whatever it is in their lineage, they just, like, are not cool with it. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember watching your talk, Rob, when you did uh, about handling bloods and getting, a, you know, a pair of gloves that, that feel more like skin and just yeah. confident handhold. I thought that was perfect, you know, to yeah. to get people, you know, over that hump. And, and usually they will, you know. Yeah. They, they usually – but, again, like you said, that um, there's going to be exceptions. And uh, I think that's in any animal, though. 
you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that the more that we are selectively breeding Bloods and Short Tails, the better that they're becoming because most of my Bloods and Short Tails that I've raised are awesome. Like, they are great animals. You can just pick them up, handle them. As long as you're not flipping them on their back like a ball python, they're super chill. They don't care what you do. I can bring them to programs and everything. They're just, they're just great. And then I think as we are focused on breeding for different traits, one of the things that I try and do, and I know a couple other people like Care have tried to do, is breed for temperament as well. So you might take something that's got a little bit better temperament, even if it's not as great color or not exactly what you're looking for in pattern, but breed that to something that might be a little more temperamental. So you're hoping that that influences the offspring. Yeah, you know, I think all that stuff is is um, has a genetic component to it, you know, feeding response, all that stuff. So when you're going to do your pairings, it's definitely something that you should consider, you know, not putting your two most aggressive snakes, even if they're the prettiest, together necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, all my you plans know. are ruined. Yeah. <laughs> then, then you I inc- hope it wasn't for me. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and then you got to incubate them all at like 90 degrees. So when they come out, they're like really small and angry, and then they stay angry their whole life. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. That yes. clutch of Borneos you hatched recently. Um, I mean, those were some of the biggest Borneos I'd ever seen. They were just beautiful. Really? I, I see, like, most of the Borneos that I've hatched have been kind of maybe a little bit smaller than that, but I'm looking at them, I'm like, ah, they're like normal-sized Borneos because most of the stuff that I've been breeding recently has been, like, blood pythons for nerds. So I'm like, ah, they got big babies and whatever. So I was like, ah, they're, like, decent-sized Borneos, forgetting, like, nah, most of them are a little bit smaller than those guys, and they actually have been doing really well. I only have one holdout this year out of my 40-some-odd Borneos that I'm kind of, that I've been holding on to that because half of them were split clutch with Dan Megano for two clutches. Uh, so I ended up with like, I think 30 something babies that I've got right now. And I don't have one holdout that's not eating for me yet. And I'm like, okay, try it on, you know, regular, uh, betting that I've got. I usually do paper or, or paper towels when they first are born. I think, you know, so a little bit of moss and now I switch them over to moss. And then now I'm going to try a smaller enclosure. It's just like the one holdout. And then everybody else is just like slam food <laughs> after the yeah. second week. They were just like ready to go. That's great, you know. I mean, you you can't be too upset with that. Just having one, that's good, man. Yeah, yeah. And it's, sure. if, if it comes down to it, I'll just feed it, or you know, do what I got to do to try for it. But I'm kind of at the point where if it doesn't want to eat, that's you're going to be the one that just your genetics are not going to continue on. That's that's just how it is. Because right, I would, like, yeah, like we were just saying, you know, and. Um, have you tried any bird anything yet? Not you know? yet, oh. not yet. I've been just trying to do mice and rats. I do have a bunch of frozen uh, button quail chicks that I can use that are like small enough that it would be perfect size prey for them. I just have always just been trying the mice and rats. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you know I don't know what it is about uh, you know birds, but stubborn snakes seem to love them. Uh huh. Yeah. Something about feathers. And you know what's funny? (laughs) A bunch of my Borneos that I had raised on rats and mice, uh, one time I had had some extra quail, and I was like, I'll just offer it to them. I'll see what happens. And the ones that I had raised on rats, I offered them that, and as soon as they struck it and constrict it, whatever the feathers felt like in their mouth, they immediately, like, unwrapped and, like, flung it across the cage. (laughs) And I was like, oh, man, they were not not happy with that at all. (laughs) I'm not eating that. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I was like, well, that was an experiment, and yeah. now I know they don't like quail, I guess. Oh, man. <laughs> got to do it with drama, too, you know? Oh, yeah. It's, it's a short tail thing. they got to be talkative. they got to have a little drama yeah. going. Give oh, you the man. side eye. Oof. <laughs> oh, that's funny. 
So See, that that should be that should be like the uh, the quote for your don't get bit reptiles. Yeah, do it with drama. Do it with drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're on to something there. Yeah, there right. We go. There we go. <laughs> uh, so, for your collection of Bloods and Short Tales right now, what is one project that you're just like super in love with? I'm just like. I'm so pumped for the pollen stuff that you're working with and the flowerback stuff, dude. That is like my favorite yeah. Brongers My Morph. And I've been waiting for the last 10 years to see people do something with it because it's been largely VPI's project. And then I, I'm in the uh, Deepong Lovers group in Indone for Indonesia. It's like all the Blood Python and Shorttail Keepers over there. And some of right. those guys have flower racks, and they're just like, oh, it's a cool striped blood python. And I'm like, it's a flower rack. Oh. <laughs> but in the yeah, U.S. that's a project that's right up there. It's got yeah. you know, that's got to be right up there. Oh I think, you know, there's so much to do with this stuff. And, you know, sometimes it's just like it's overwhelming. I mean, uh -huh. you look at it, and, it's, and you know, you know, you, from what we have, it's not a ton, but there's just so much, to, so many ways you can take things. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, the flower projects right up there, you know, I love those snakes. They're just, they're really, really cool. They're really pretty. And, you know, I hit one that has matrix in it and albino and it's, um, it's really wild, you know, mm. it's, it's a really cool snake. So I think, you know, anything just to start playing with some of this stuff, you know, I think that with the, uh, you know, the albino ivory batik came out really cool, you know, mm -hmm. I never would have expected that, you know, until Juan hit the white lightning. Um, mm -hmm. I just, you know, taking an ivory, it's like, you just have no idea where this stuff is going to go. Yeah. And so, it, it's like when a lot of people look at ivory type morphs where it like erases a lot of that pattern, they're like, well, that's a dead end. You can't do anything cool yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. And then when they put that batik into it, you're like, wow, that thing's freaking awesome. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just, it completely changes the whole look of the snake, you know? Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think you could even add stripe in there and, mm -hmm. and get some results from that. So it's, you know, I, I, some of this stuff, it's, it's endless really, you know, and I like putting stripe into bat or into golden eye. Um, mm, yep. I'm excited to do some stuff with that, you know, super stripes and, and, um, you know, I, yeah, I just, I, you know, I don't even know, some days where to take some of this stuff and <laughs> and you know there's different lines of teen egg and in the teen egg stuff is uh i think has a lot of potential you know oh, yeah. um you know sure. the guys that are really diving into it now and trying to make the colors pop and stuff i think that's excellent because it, it really needs that you know yeah i think that's one of the things that i really appreciate in particular with bloods but i mean kind of across the board bloods and short tails in general is the amount of dedication to really focusing on either a, a specific gene or a specific trait that they're seeing within a project and being like, I want to see as far as I can take this. Like, mm -hmm. I like this about this animal and I want to see how far I can I can push this project. Because so many of the other, and I, you know, I, I think that's happening a little more so now as they're becoming more popular yes you know that niche is certainly increasing for them so it's interesting to see because so many other species it's just i just want to make the coolest morph you know right. be it ball pythons or corn snakes or, or whatever you know it's like i just need to make the coolest morph and very few people in those sections of the industry are actually focusing on line breeding and like those that do like thinking retics like uh shane costello like Mm -hmm. really zeroing in on like sunfires and like making the coolest sunfires you possibly could find like then everybody's like oh my god they're so amazing and it's like well i mean all he did was take the time 
yep. you know, yep. to focus in on that project. So I feel like the blood and short tail niche is totally zeroed in on that of like, I want to see this project as far as I can because I absolutely love this thing about it. And I, I appreciate that greatly because there's there's so many different things we can do morph-wise, yeah. you know. But uh, to find a, a little individual trait in something uh, and really see that through, you know, I mean, we think about all the different lines of uh, bloods that we've seen, you know, like the uh, tomato bomb and cherry bomb stuff. Red the and all stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, like that kind of stuff. And seeing like what to the untrained eye might be a very subtle difference, but to the person that's really invested in bloods or short tails, like, holy shit, I got to get into this. Yeah. You know, it's so cool. I seriously appreciate about uh, that about <laughs> this niche of the industry. Yeah, you know, I think that, you, you know, you don't have to follow anybody, really. You can just do your own thing. And, yeah. and that's what makes it so cool. It's like, like you were saying, you know, you, you find a trait that you like and you just run with it. And, mm -hmm. and, and nobody else will be doing exactly the same thing. And, and that's what makes it so cool. Hell yeah. yeah. And it's like uh, when Ball Python first started to become popular, people were kind of doing that. And it's like, you know, Kevin had his spiders and his pastels. And then, you know, uh, Pete had the piebalds. And mm -hmm. a lot of people, like, were just starting to, and just focusing on those projects that they had started with. It's like that, but with Bloods and Short Tails now. I mean, there are more people working with, like, teen eggs. There are more people working with ivories and, and mm -hmm. botiques and stuff like that. But even within those, there are people who are going for, I want the reddest botique that you can make. I yeah, want yeah, yeah. to see striped botiques. I want to see, you know, Jason Chavin's got his super striped botiques and, and the botique matrix. No, they're awesome, And too. they're just, like, crazy looking. And there's room for that where a lot of people, I mean, like, if you think back in the day with ball pythons, they had, like, the Graziani line pastel where it was, mm -hmm. like, you know, oh, it looks a little bit different like this. And then you had uh, Kevin's lemon line of pastel, which looked different, like, completely different than the Graziani line pastel. Mm -hmm. And... It's just like there's room for that to happen right now for people. So for people who are interested in Bloods and Short Tails, they can work on a project and make really cool stuff that's unique to them. And exactly. I think yeah, that you don't have like, to be chasing it. You yeah. know, you can you can just you do your thing that that you like. And I, you know, that's one thing that you know people will ask me. It's like, well, which one would you pick out of this? It's like it doesn't matter. It has nothing you to do with me. Yeah. yeah. No, nothing. If you like it, you know, have at it. And yeah. uh, you're the one that's got to take care of it so yep. <laughs> you know if you, yeah. if you if you approach it that way you know long term you'll be successful in whatever you know you're doing you know whether you're you, you know you just have a few or you know you want to you know make a, a, a business out of it i think that you know there's there's room for for all of it and yeah the people dialing in and focusing on certain things and you know and there, it, you know blood pythons really show you know like you were saying with shane it's like they really show that dedication mm -hmm. yeah. you know yes over generations of your mm -hmm. projects and i think it makes a big difference oh yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah because like if you think about like in bronger's mind with the red blood pythons like you think about like kevin martyr's line stuff and like mm -hmm. that immediately for if you know who kevin martyr is you immediately think of that like rich red tones nice yellows and all this sort of stuff and you know he put that time in to selectively choose animals for those projects and he ran with it yeah and, right. and did some really cool stuff and same thing with carol this you know just cherry picked some of the things that she liked to see in these animals and just worked with that and ran with it 
Yeah. Yeah. So I was just saying that, you know, you take something like the Karis produced and then you start breeding, you know, morphs into that. And it's a it's a win win. Your whole clutch is unbelievable. You yes. know, whether it's uh, the morph of, you know, a golden eye or a batik or, you know, you end up with really, really nice red normals. I mean, that's the mindset going forward that I think that makes a big difference. You know, it's it's not just breeding two animals together just because. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and when it's, it's unique to me to look at that because in a ball python clutch, if you don't hit on your morph, uh, your normals are going to be, you know, $30, $20. They're not worth a whole lot to the average person. But since they put so much selective breeding into blood pythons for color and that sort of stuff, you can be breeding for red herbotiques and your normals are still going to be a nice. very sought-after, desired animal because yeah. there's still a beautiful, like, a very naturally beautiful snake. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's, to me, that's just, a, that's a huge win-win. Oh, 100%. yeah, 100%. I, I just can't yeah. wait to see where the next five or ten years take, you know, not just the red bloods, but also the Borneo short tails and Sumatran short tails because, I mean, there's not as many morphs of the Sumatran short tails, but there's still people who are, like, just trying to breed the Blackest, blackest, blackest Sumatra short tails with these pumpkin orange eyes, or you know, people who are working with stuff that's got more uh, white highlights in the sides or things like that. I I can't wait for someone to take some black Sumatran short tails and then selectively breed for white markings on them because mm-hmm. those that would are gonna be unbelievable. Be, oh, they're gonna be insane. They're gonna be the coolest looking snakes. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell it's yeah. it's just someone needs to take the time and do it. That's all that it is. Mm-hmm. And there's room for people to do that right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what makes it so exciting and so much fun. And, you know, every year is different. And, um, you know, you don't have to approach it and like, well, I'll never catch up to so-and-so or I'll not, you know, yep. I need all this because you, you don't need to do that, you know? Yep. Yeah. You can literally just build your army by yourself (laughs) you know every once in a while adding some new blood but you can really just create your own entire army yeah Yeah, exactly you know a good foundation and and you're off to go you know yeah yeah Yeah, i'm just looking at the babies i produced this year and i'm like i want to keep that and that and that i I like that thing (laughs) yeah selling them is the hardest part because i'm like i don't really want to let go any of these things they're amazing (laughs) yeah even some of the normals, they've got these, you know, unique traits to them that I see. And I'm like, if someone took that and and focused on that, they could make some really amazing Borneos with that. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, so they change so much, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, until you can really get that eye for what you want to keep, you know, early on I sold stuff. And I was just like two years later, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just you know, because they're one of those snakes that they come out of the egg and that's the worst that they look. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it takes them forever to shed and, <laughs> and get some size to them. And then, you know, all of a sudden, then, you know, they'll shed and it's like, whoa. Yep. Just takes you off yep. guard. You see that, that customer photo. Just like, yeah, look exactly. at how it's progressed. And then yeah. you're in the back fucking crying. Oh, it's so bad. God, <laughs> why? For how much? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, I sold boy. one of my uh, marble Borneos that I produced this year. And it was one that I was like, I'm going to price it a little high because it's like a super nice one. I don't really want to sell it. But if someone wants to buy it and they're like investing, getting a nice marble borneo this will be a good one for them and i posted up and it sold like two days later and i was like oh i should have put it for more yeah thousand dollars yeah i'm gonna see it in a year and a half and it's just gonna be smoking on fire and i'm gonna be like well rob 
You messed that Good one job. up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just, job. you know, I always tell myself I can make more. It'll yep. be okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to do the same pair again this year so that hopefully I'll produce another one that looks like it. But, you know, you never mm. know. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know. You just don't know. <laughs> and, and the Borneo thing is crazy. I mean, you really don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the polygenics of that stuff and. And, and you know all their, the background of everything and you know how borneos work is it, borneos are fun to hatch yes yeah 100 when i was yeah. uh, going through babies that were hatching out this year almost every single one that came out i was like ah what this one doesn't look anything like any of the rest of the ones that are already out what is going on <laughs> yeah. here yeah Dude, exactly I, I remember uh at carpet fest last year mm -hmm. the week before i moved up here uh matt had just hatched out a clutch of like ocelot things and all, yeah. none of them looked oh. anywhere close yeah to any of them and i was like how do you pick which one to sell <laughs> because i'm staring at this and i'm like hold back i'd hold keep back, that back, and back. that and that and that and then i'm like looking at my wallet and i'm like oh thank god i left the american express at home <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> Uh, and you've done that to me too, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got some all right stuff over there. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, dude, it's I, I I just keep saying it. I'm I'm super excited to see what the next five or ten years hold yeah. with the different projects. Like even my own projects, I'm just super excited to see what directions I can take them in from the different stuff that I've hatched out this year and the stuff that I'm hoping to hatch out this upcoming season. And I'm not trying to go crazy, but I want to do a couple clutches this upcoming season uh, to see which direction I can kind of take things in. Because one of the projects I was super pumped about this year was my uh, skunk line female who's like Het Ultra. So she's like super light, but has these really dark markings down the side. And I bred her to an ultra, a, like a blue ultra granite male this year. Uh, nice. to see what happens when you take the black trait and that ultra trait and bring it to the light side. And then I've been raising up this male for the last year and a half that has got that similar really black, dark trait with, like, some neck speckling. And so I want to put her to that male to see what happens when you take it the other direction, where it's it's still using the same traits in that original female, but it's right. going in two opposite directions to see where the variation is in those babies. Because some of the babies I hatched out this year, even from breeding her to an ultra, had super nice black heavy marks down the sides. Mm -hmm. So I'm just imagining when I put her back to something that's got that black trait, that it's just going to be even crazier. But then the, the lightness from the ultra is going to make a, a little bit better white highlights on them. But I'm just like super pumped to see what happens with that. No, oh, it's going to be great. Oh, I hope so. Hell yeah. <laughs> what, do you have any projects for this upcoming season that you're like, can't wait for? You know, um, I think I'm going to dive into the slackline stuff a bit more. Yes! Hell yes! Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, because um, this season I did um, a level four, you know, so it's the top, you know, of the what the slacklines break down as. So, yeah. Um, to just a normal with no striping in its background or anything. And all the babies came out as level twos. So mm. um, that was really good to know because it hadn't been done yet. You know, yeah. a four to just a normal with no striping in it at all. So right. everything came out level two. So that, in my mind, helped me clarify what I was going to do going forward. So um, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug in that the slack line into some stuff this year and, and dive into that a little bit more because that's a really cool project yeah 100%. You, you get you get a lot of different looks within you know the whole spectrum of things as far as that that stripe goes you know some of them quite chain 
blink and you know then you get real clean striping and there's again you can just take that you know five different ways if you wanted to Mm -hmm. yeah that is probably one of the other blood projects i want to get into is the slack line stuff i remember seeing some of the first ones and i was like so that let's talk about that really fast yeah they're really cool and uh, you know i think that's going to be really fun and i you know i like the genetic stripe stuff anyway and um, yeah and it changes a lot of things you know and it, and it it has a lot of potential i think so i'll probably do some of that and um you know, I don't know. I, you know, breeding season's only like two months away, so I, got, I better get it figured out <laughs> don't here. Don't say that. Don't <laughs> yeah, say that. <laughs> it's crazy to think about. Yeah, time has flown by. Flying, flying. So it should be good. You know, like you said, I'm looking forward to the next few years and, and, and pushing projects forward and, and doing some more stuff and, and really just uh, diving into it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sheesh. Is there, is there a project that you're – either with Bloods or, or Borneos that you're not working with right now that you want to integrate into what you've got? Um, that's a good question. You know, uh, the wrought iron stuff is really cool. Mm. Um, you know, I think that's got some legs. Um, I even think the albino Borneo project has, has a lot of potential, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. Especially doing stuff like Rob was talking about just a minute ago, you know, with with integrating black and 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 light colors, and I, I think you could really do some cool stuff with that project. Yeah, I agree, hundred sure. percent. I've been watching that, and the the first ones I saw, I was like, eh, I don't really know. And then uh, seeing the ones that Steve just hatched out this year, I was like, okay, I c- I've got a vision of where this can go <laughs> yeah. and how you could make this like a really really amazing like they're very pretty don't get me wrong i'm not saying they're not pretty right now but i see in five or eight years a project that you could do with that to make it like really pop and really just make that like jaw drop on them and i really i really want to get into that i'm very seriously considering getting into that (laughs) yeah i think that you know that could be huge i really do you know the the borneo color palette you know even though it's it's browns quote-unquote um i think that you know that's going to be really cool to see some of that stuff get get really dialed in and uh and pushed to the next level i really do i think i think the potential is there for sure yeah a hundred percent so do you feel like um where you're at in the country do you feel like you've got um i don't know how to say it like do you feel like the weather there is amicable for how you run your reptile room, or do you wish it was a little bit cooler, more longer for part of the year, or how, how do you feel about that? I think it's perfect. Um, you know, I'm in South Carolina, so uh, like right in central South Carolina. So we, you know, we get cold. You know, a couple times a year we get a little dusting of snow. Um, so yeah, it, you know, for me it's perfect. I, you know, I pair earlier than I did when I when I lived in the Northeast. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll pair sometime in October usually because that's where we start to get, like, you know, some tropical systems come in and the barometric pressure drops. Um, so, yeah, you know, I've been real happy with, with that. You know, it took me a little while to get used to. Um, and then, you know, when I built my, my building, um, my snakes had to adjust to that too because, you know, we're in a room, a spare bedroom in the house, like, you know, most people's collections are. Right. Um, but, you know, anytime you move adults, even if it's down the road, 
um, it's going to take a little while for them to adjust to, to new surroundings. So yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Overall, I think that, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy with it. And I have a big window in, in my building because I think the light cycle plays a big factor in, in uh, you know, conditioning them for, for breeding season. 100%. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that's, that's something that um, often goes untalked about with, with a lot of different snake species just because the propensity is to keep snakes in racks yeah. for the most part. But photo periods huge being a massive ass because i think about like a lot of lizard species you know like i think about when i was young breeding bearded dragons one of like the first things that you would see popping up on those the, the informational sheets were photo periods mm -hmm. changing even just a couple of hours yeah you know right. shorter made a huge difference in, in their clocks kind of ticking and it's interesting that we don't necessarily document that as much with snakes and certainly could be said that you know because most spe most of the species that are more commonly kept are more uh, nocturnal, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, especially with even colubrid breeders, you know, that are mm -hmm. working with more diurnal or cre crepuscular species that we don't really talk more about photo periods. So that's uh, right. that's interesting. Having the window, I think, is definitely Huge. important. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's you know it's one of the big. I think anything that triggers like a big change like that, like you know, even the, the barometric pressure drop, that's a it's big. Oh you yeah, know? for and, sure. And and light cycles are that's a big one. You know, I mean, temperature is one thing, but you're not you know with breeding bloods or a lot of python species, you're not like they're not extreme, but the light cycle is. You know, right, uh, right. So I do I do think it plays a role in it. Um, you know, and it's and it's worked out great so far. So yeah. That's very cool. So you spend a lot of time working in, in the zoo sector, the, you know, the private sector. And uh, what would you say was some of your favorite animals to work with when you were working in the zoos? I, I You know, when I was at the zoo, um, my section was broken up into uh, desert and, and then tropical. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I got to work with a lot of venomous stuff um, mm. and was real hands-on with with venomous things, you know, king cobras and, and mambas and stuff like that. Um, mangs, mangs are, you know, mangshan vipers are right up there. It's, I mean, they, they were incredible to work with. And, yeah. and bushmasters, you know, bushmasters are just, they're such a different snake. You know, it's like they almost know that they're that badass. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so they were really fun to work with. Um, you know, I enjoyed all that stuff. Um, nothing I would bring home, but... <laughs> You don't have any giant venomous snakes in your house? <laughs> Those are meat missiles that are really going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Seriously. exactly. So, you know, it was fun at the zoo and everything. And um, just being able to, to branch out into the, more of the venomous side of things, it was something I never worked with, you know, at home or, or in other people's collections or anything. So that was that was really, really cool. Yeah, dude. Mangshans are, like, such a unique viper. Like, when I saw them in pictures, I was like, oh, that, that's a cool viper, I guess. I mean, they're, they're kind of green and like, a little bit of red pattern, I guess, to them. That's eh, okay. And then uh, when we went to Florida in February, we got to see some Mangshans in person. And I was like, okay, I get why they're cool now. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's a big-ass fucking viper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they're huge. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. They're huge. Their heads are enormous. Massive, yeah. massive fucking heads, dude. Yeah. Oh my Man. gosh. But you know, the the Bushmasters, those just like those in Bothrops. I don't know what it is about them, but they just make me super uncomfortable. Like I would never <laughs> own one. I I can't. They're like springs, little pogo sticks with these 
giant fangs, and it's just, you know, when when a Bushmaster gets big, that thing can move. It can really move. Yeah, they're just in they're, they're you know, they're big, they're confident, you yeah. know, their scalation is really cool. It's almost, you know, like a beaded scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, yeah, they're just really neat. You know, the egg-laying viper thing is cool. Yes. I, I, just, I really enjoyed working with them. They were they were fun. And, you know, they hit, like, a ton of bricks. So when you're feeding them, it's just, like, you know, Ugh. two-thirds of their body up off the ground. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, boy. I'm sweating just thinking about it. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> <Sheesh>. <laughs> uh. And it's hard to describe to people. If you haven't seen venomous snakes eat, like, or, like uh, any viper uh, strike, it is the fastest thing you've ever witnessed oh, yeah. in your life. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's hard to describe to people without you actually seeing it in person because it's one thing to watch it on a video. You're like, oh, that was that was pretty quick. But when you see it in person, you're like, mm-hmm. there's no way you could dodge that. There's yeah. no, no way. Especially especially the beatish stuff, you yeah. know. Yep. I mean, it's like they'll sit there and they'll do their little eye movements kind of like blood pythons do, yep. but they're faster. Yeah, way faster. Yeah. Way faster. It's, it's insane for sure. Oof. I'm yeah. having I'm having flashbacks to when the, I had uh, my eyelash viper. Yep. Like seeing it as like this little tiny baby mm-hmm. and how fast it could strike and obviously I mean it's like 5 inches long so it's not yep. a crazy <laughs> long striking distance but to see that thing go from like knocked the fuck out to immediately on its prey oh, yeah. like in a split second was like fuck I can never get close to this thing. Nope. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, some of the first times that I watched Gaboon Vipers eat in person, Oof. I was just like, well, people dangerously underestimate these snakes. Yeah, yeah. Like hugely, yeah, they do. Hugely. They're like, "Oh, it's a slug." It's like, "No, no, no, no." No. When it needs to, it can move something serious. The ultimate mm-hmm. meat missile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that same body type and everything that yeah. I love in bloods. You know, gaboons and rhinos and puff adders. I mean, they're awesome. Oh, awesome hell yeah, snakes. dude. See, I love rhinos a lot. Gaboons never had that, that big of a draw to me. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know why. I just I love the rhinos. The contrast on them really catches me. But I feel like... I like things with lots and lots of contrast on it, and like the gaboons are more cryptic, so I feel like yeah. they don't have as much of that contrast. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the puff adders. Like there's some puff adder locales that have a lot of contrast, but as a whole, they usually don't have a lot of contrast. And that's the stuff that I find interesting. Just like lots and lots yeah. of contrast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the Ethiopian, oh, the Ethiopian mountain vipers are really cool. Snake. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, and the guy that hatched that albino. Um, Gaboon. I mean, that thing Oh is... my god. Oh, He's got three of them. They are absolutely wild. Uh, and going, yeah, watching the video. Yeah, watching the video of like the little babies and then seeing them at like two foot long, I was like, oh man, those are going to be the coolest looking snakes when they're full grown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're awesome. Hell yeah. One of them literally looks like you took like melted pink and yellow starburst and like painted it with the starburst. That's how bright yeah. colored it is. It's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Exactly. Yep. Crazy, uh, crazy. I remember the first time I saw those pictures, I was like, so that. I thought it was fake. I was like, get yeah. out of here. Yeah, and then yeah, I looked, yeah. and they're like, oh, no, no, it's not just one. It's three of them. And I was like, holy crap, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, those are cool. <laughs> that is. Oh, so man. would you ever consider keeping venomous snakes on your own, like in, in your collection or no? You know, I don't want to say no. Yeah. Um, but it, it's one of those things, you know, you can't go in into those cages when you're tired or you had a yep. long day or yep. you know you really have to be on 100 percent of the time yes. and yeah 
and um you know so that's the thing it's the responsibility aspect of it um because you have to do it the right way i mean at this point with the way that you know um they're coming down on us with laws and everything i mean there's there's just no room for error Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. Because, you know, 100 people could do it the right way, and if you get tagged, you're going to make the news. It's just going to happen. Yep. And, um, yeah. And then, you know, so that's that's tough, you know, because they are such cool snakes, and there's a lot of people doing really cool stuff with them and, and that are really, really good at, you know, what they do. But it's just, you know, <clears throat> you have to be so careful for so many reasons, not just, you know, your own safety but there's there's a there's a billion other things that, that go with that yeah yeah for yeah. sure i would love to keep venomous but in new england you cannot privately own venomous snakes so i'm gonna have right. to make a move if i'm gonna do that and then one of the big things i've noticed is that people who have venomous collections either have a completely venomous collection or they they're people like you who are just like i will not keep venomous uh you yeah. need to be too focused on it and if you're getting complacent and you've got a half venomous collection you open up the wrong bin because you moved a snake or something and you you know just had a momentary lapse that could be a real mm-hmm. bad day and yeah, exactly. that's that's the thing that like makes me hesitate to get into them <laughs> if, if i were to move is that you know I have mostly non-venomous stuff, but I would love to get some, like, copperheads. I love Trans-Pecos copperheads and, like, the mm-hmm. broad-banded copperheads. I love those. I would love to get some rhino vipers, some wagglers, pit vipers. But to have – you have to be 100% on. You have to know exactly where what enclosure you're going into, what that animal's temperament is like, mm-hmm. and there's no room for error, very minimal room for error when it comes to that sort of thing. And yeah, it's, it's true, you it, know. I mean, and there's no excuse either. You know, you can't just be like, oh, I was having a bad day. It's like yeah. that's not – yeah, you can tell that enough. to the ER, uh, you know, people who are helping you out. Sorry, yeah. it was a bad day. Yeah. Hope yeah. you got the and anti-venom. You know, local <laughs> news shows up on your front door, and, and then you got all kinds of problems. So yeah, and then it's, man with a hundred snakes in his basement gets it, bit. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You look like a wacko, and, yeah. and yeah. you know, it's, so it's 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 tough because they, they're really cool, and they're, and they're fun to work with. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I feel very similarly to that. Like I I really enjoy copperheads and different species of rattlesnakes, and it's like, mm-hmm. man, I would love to get into that. But to know exactly that, like you need to be on. Yeah. You know, right. at, at 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 every second, you need to be on on point yeah. to deal with that. It's like, ah, uh, okay, one day. Yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> Not today. Maybe. But, I'm too you know, stressed right now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I think it's one of those things that you know, um, you have to, you have to, you have to self police as well. It's like yes. you know, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta do the the right enclosures, and you have to do the locks, and you have to do Stickers all that stuff. You and, know, you know mark right? On whether those it's species, you know, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know, whether it's it's the law or not, I think that you know that's, that that the responsibility lands squarely on your head. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And and another thing is like uh, I think it's Joe Pittman came out with uh, bite protocol. Book. Yeah, we you gotta have. Everyone's gotta have that. I think yeah. if you have venomous snakes, you should oh you should be required to have that in your room. Yeah. Uh, for whatever species you keep, uh, maybe not required, but you should do that because it's the responsible thing to do mm-hmm. to know what happens if an accident happens if you end up getting bit. You know, you don't want to be caught off guard. Right. And yeah, and, and you know, the person that's coming to help you needs, you know, they're not going to be experienced with, you know, African cobra species. You Is know, that a cottonmouth? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Is that you a know, viper? <laughs> Put it up, cobra. Is yeah. that a viper? Is uh, that the one that did that? Yeah. 
Ugh. Oh, boy. Terrible. Yeah. Poison control. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you got bit by a what now? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Say that. A Wrangler vibe? Isn't that? Aren't those jeans? What is that? <laughs> what? Ugh. <laughs> uh. So, do you go to any of the reptile expos before the COVID happened? Before the, the COVID? The COVID. <laughs> before the COVID <laughs> happened. Do you go to a lot of the expos down there? Or is that something that you're like, eh, I'm not interested in that sort of stuff? I did, you know, years and years and years ago. I did a couple of the Repticons here. And, um, you know, the, the interest for those snakes wasn't really there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I was just like, yeah, I'll just, you know. Do better online. I'll, yeah, I'll just stay home and, yeah. and uh, throw some pictures up on my website. And, uh, you know, um, I, but I like going to, to, to hang out, you know, with some of the people that I've known for a long time and stuff. So, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, when I was doing them, it was, uh, you know, everybody walking by the table would be like, oh, look at those ball pythons or boas. Yeah. Like, Why am I here? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, um you know, I do want to get out to Tinley at some point and hang Dude, with you guys. And stuff. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. we need to hang out at Tinley. That's that's all. It's to it. Yep, it's got to right. happen. Yep, <laughs> exactly. See, I've I've already booked my hotel for Tinley this year. If it doesn't Same. happen, I'm gonna be bummed, uh, very bummed, very 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 bummed. But <laughs> I understand. And then it better happen 2021. That's all I'm saying. Because I'm gonna go to March and October. <laughs> yeah, if it doesn't happen this year, 2021 it will be a blast. It's gonna be yeah. crazy. Oh yeah, it's gonna be so fun. Hell yeah, I I really hope it happens this fall. <laughs> oh. I need I just need a little vacation. I just need like Dude. five days out of the building. Dude, uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Those 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 days are sacred. Yeah. <laughs> So, Nick, do you keep other stuff outside of your bloods and short tails, or are you just laser-focused on those? Just, you know, at this point, I'm just, that, that's all I do is the blood and short tails. You know, like I said, I've kept a bunch of different species and, um, you know, Timors, olives, blackheads, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, it's hard to, you know, when I was looking at this to do full-time, um, if you have, like, 1.1, of a bunch of different stuff, you know, if, if, if your breeding doesn't go well, you're kind of stuck, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, and I know there are guys that do it, you know, you know, Ryan Young and, and, um, other guys that have diverse collections that, that, that do it and do it really well. Um, but for me, it was, you know, if, if I'm going to dedicate this amount of space to something, you know, I want more than one shot at it. And, um, and bloods have always kept my interest, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't walk in there and I'm like, Oh, I'm bored. You know, it's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's part of the reason I picked them because they, you know, if you keep something that you like, you never get bored. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for me, that was, um, the blood and short tail pythons. It's just, it's endless. You know, there's so much to do and there's, there's just, uh, and, you know, a ton of ways you can take projects and, and different things you can do. And, you know, and basically they are three different species. So, I mean, not basically they are. And, um, so I do have, you know, technically three different species. Um, right. but yeah, you know, once, once I decided that, you know, I was going to try this, it was like, I got to just dial in, stay focused, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and try and do it that way. Yeah. That's man. I, 
I don't know if I could ever do it. Just no, it's hard, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I ever could. I, I've I've talked about it on many many episodes in the past where I'm like, I like too much shit. I get geeked out by too much shit to only work with a couple of different species. I could yeah. do like if they were like, look, you can only keep two. It'd be my Borneos and my Scrubs. Mm-hmm. That'd be it. And I, I could see myself getting rid of everything else and just keep my Borneos and my Scrubs. I'd be and that's always been you, though, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's been me forever. It's just like, I, and you know what? I waited for the Scrubs because I was like, I don't ever want to be put in a situation where I have to dump them because of a living situation or anything like that. So I waited right. a long time to get into Scrub Pythons. And I've, I've only had Scrubs for like five, five or six years now. So it's not like a crazy amount of time that I've been into scrub pythons, but I've or I've that I've kept scrub pythons, but I've been into scrub pythons for fucking 15 years, probably more than 15 years, where I've just been like reading and watching the guys who are doing it, watching David Means, trying to focus on what how he's doing things, and and watching some of the other people who have come and go and you know like Yasser's been working with scrubs back in the day from Spitfire Reptiles, and just right. seeing what they're doing and trying to incorporate that into how I do things with my scrub pythons because I just, I have the utmost respect for those snakes and I just, I waited to get into them. And if it came down to it, it's just been Borneos and scrubs, that would be it for me and I could be totally happy doing that. I could see myself yeah. being totally happy doing that. Exactly. And then, you know, there, there's a ton of cool stuff out there and it's definitely, sometimes it's hard to <clears throat> be like, oh, you know, maybe I should just get into that a little bit, but then... yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> then it's just like, well, I got all these holdbacks, and uh, yeah, that's me this you know. year. <laughs> yeah, I look at my Borneos. I'm like, well, I was planning on keeping back like four snakes, but now I got like 15 that I'm keeping back, and oh no, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you want to, you want to raise them up. You want to see how they're going to turn out. Yes. So it's yeah, you know, it's it's that kind of thing that just keeps my interest. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. totally totally dialed in. So. You know, I mean, fortunately, you know, I've been able to work with a lot of other stuff, too, though. So I think that's helped as well. Yeah. Yeah. You satisfied the cravings elsewhere. Exactly. That's ah, I still I still can't do it, man. I still I still can't. Yeah, you got all kinds of stuff over there when I pop in your little live streams and stuff. Dude, I'm like, yeah, check these out. And then like, hey, I I just got these because I like them and I worked with them 10 years ago and wanted to work with them again. And uh, shit, now I've got 125 snakes and like 20 different species. So uh, help me. Help me. Somebody. Uh, I'm grateful that now my focus has been on colubrids, things that not I can keep in giant. a very small area and not feel bad about myself. <laughs> yeah, I didn't go hog wild with retics or berms. It's like, I yeah. can do this cage stack and survive. Yeah. <laughs> and be happy with that. I don't need more. But I'll take another 12 corn snakes, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, yeah. Not at all. Uh, That's the thing. Working a nerd has definitely given me the opportunity to work with a lot of different things and see what I like and what I don't like. And that's why, like, I don't have a – I've got one retic, and it's a super dwarf because I was like, you know what? 
big snakes are cool and everything, but when you got to clean that thing, when you got to shovel oh, that poop out, oh, <laughs> forget man, it. I'm, forget it. I'm not into it. When you need to yeah. take a full body workout, you need to get a Planet Fitness membership just to take your pet snake out. I'm all set with that. I don't yeah. need. I don't need any of that. Dude, your snake is the Planet Fitness membership. Yeah, seriously. You don't need the gym. It is the gym. Yeah, it's a full body workout to take it out. But that's let me know. You know, I don't need to get. A bunch of retics. I don't need to get a yeah. water monitor. I don't need to get a boa. I don't need to work with Burmese python. I'm. Right. I work with them at work, and then when I go home, I don't gotta look at them. I don't yep. have to. Yeah, I get to exactly. work with stuff that I like. And I've always been a really particular person, so I kind of like what I like, and that's it. So I've. It's very rare that I've gotten into something just because other people are into it. If I like it, I get it. If I don't like it, I do not get into it. And I think that that saved me a lot of heartbreak. Because I feel like a lot of people like get a lot of things just to test out what they like. Because they're like, I don't know, I'll just I'll try whatever. And uh, they end mm -hmm. up getting out of things or they end up with stuff that they're not like super crazy about. But I've always been like, I'm going to get this thing because I really like it. And then I'm happy with what I got. So Exactly. And that's the best way to approach any of this. Is, you know, again, if, you, if, if it interests you and you like it, you know, have at what it. anyone else Go thinks. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Go for exactly. It. I think that's, especially now... Um, cause you see like everywhere on social media, it's, it's, it's blown out to become a ball Python breeder. Yep. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But, uh, you know, and you've got to be working with the next coolest project. And, yeah. and I don't think that's ever changed with ball pythons. Like if you want to be quote relevant, you have to be ahead of the curve. So you always yeah. have to be willing to drop the money on the next project and the next project. And, um, I, re I remember years ago being kind of like caught up in the same hype, like trying to, you know, thinking little old me was like jumping on the next project only to find out like, oh, that was done two years ago. That's cool. You know, yeah, fucking great. Right. You know, but the world's uh, third. Yeah. World's <laughs> third. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you know, but now, even though I have a, a quite a diverse collection, I've been able to like really zero in on, OK, well, I like this species as a whole, but I like this project within the species and yeah. I can I can dial that in. And that's certainly been what's what saved me, you know, uh, the the multiple heartbreak of just not having enough space. But yeah, um, yeah. you know, I, I think that uh, you're starting to see that happen even more so now, where where people are like, "Well, I like this." Yes. Be it mm -hmm. working, they're working with ball pythons or whatever, you know. Like, uh, what's the guy's name? I'm forgetting the breeder's name. Um, but JD Constriction, who does like all the azanthic stuff, mm -hmm. like he's like followed oh, yeah. the azanthic project like yes. all the way through, but is creating badass azanthics. Mm -hmm. And like, I remember visiting his table at Tinley, and to I think there was like one snake that was not a visual azanthic on the table, mm -hmm. and like it immediately caught your attention just because it wasn't black and white, mm -hmm. you know. Right. Um, but to have that and and be able to be that dedicated to a project, I seriously appreciate that aspect you know because it's like even in my music career like students would come to me and be like i want to get a new trumpet what do you recommend and it's like okay well you need to get something that you sound good on but also you need to get something that when you take it out of the case you're not going to be like oh yeah you know like you're going to want to take that thing out to practice you know so i feel the same way with snakes is like when you go into that enclosure you have to be okay with that with that animal in there mm -hmm. you can't just be like oh great i gotta deal with this thing again yeah you know exactly. i mean unless it's a raging asshole then you can have that moment <laughs> of like oh great this one again, here we go you know? yeah. yeah but uh but there has to be that element of like 
if you produce this. it and it's you know for ball python breeders if there's a normal ball python in that tub you still gotta be okay with it man like you can you still it. open yep. that and be like that's you know it's still a cool snake yeah you know if you yeah. don't if you don't exactly. have that passion to where you it you know the morph doesn't matter the price tag doesn't matter you still have to open that and be like i still love that animal yes you know yeah exactly you have to love doing this exactly exactly and uh i think we're we're kind of reaching that point i feel where there's there's a larger more publicized group of people who are following that like i'm in this because i like this and i've dedicated myself to this and i'm okay with everything that i make Mm -hmm. because it's what i want yeah you know and I, i seriously uh appreciate that 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 is happening within the community and grateful that i've been able to figure that out for myself yes also otherwise i'd have way too many things (laughs) (laughs) and i'd have to be doing this podcast while cleaning all of those animals because i wouldn't have any free time ever people who are (laughs) cleaning and listening to this podcast right now yes exactly exactly that's fine that's fine and listen to this all you want but it would not be cool if i had to clean and And do the podcast yeah because uh every five seconds you'd hear I'm a water bowl. <laughs> so. water going. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, oh man. All right, so we're winding down the time for this episode, but before we say our goodbyes, we ask all of our guests one question. So Nick, that question for you is what in the realm of reptile, be it something in your own collection or something that you've seen scrolling the interwebs, because that's all we ever get to do in the COVID. world of COVID right now, <laughs> uh, has you geeked out and excited about reptiles? Oh, man, good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I like seeing some of the, the newer people get into, into blood pythons that, that share the same passion that, you know, we have for them um yeah i've met some people locally that are, are getting into them and um that they, they can share in what we see in them and mm-hmm. i you know not the fly you know by night guys that come and go <clears throat> you know the guys that have a plan and, and and know what they like and uh and and really and dive into it and i think that you know um the industry as a whole is seeing a lot of that like you said jeremy and um and that's exciting for me because that's you know the, the, that passion is is still there and because yeah. um, I still have it you know from when I was a little kid it's I still get just as excited so you know I think that um, being able to share that with people and, and and be part of that is is it's really cool. Hell yeah! Hell yeah, dude! So if people want to find out more about you and what you're doing, where's the best place for them to go to do that? Uh, I have a website. It's coldbloodedearth.com, and then you can follow me on. Facebook and Instagram at Cold Blooded Earth. Bam. Hell yeah, man. We appreciate you coming on this evening. We'll have to do this again sometime. Hell yeah. Thank you very much, man. Hope you have a nice night. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It was fun. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah, dude. Take care. All right, bye-bye.